You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. into our heart and starts to do something in there. And yes, sometimes he comes and just smacks us upside the head and tells us we got to change our act. Sometimes it comes into our heart. It's always encouraging. It's always loving. His love never fails. It never fails to touch your heart in so many ways. It never fails to give you what you need at that time to lift you up. Yeah, sure, you might have to do some changing. Sure, you might have to do this and do that. But it's a want to please God. It's a want to show him the love that he's shown you. When you have a canine dog, they're given a scent and then they go hunt it down, trying to find something that's missing or a criminal on the loose. Well, today, Pastor Dave wants you to be on the hunt, looking for signs of Jesus in the Bible and everywhere you go. Be looking for his scent and take note. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he continues his message, Can I Get a Witness? You are Every time the pastor gives a message that cuts to the quick, every time I stand up here and say something that might get you because you're being convicted or you might not agree with, boom. I don't like that. I should be able to do as I please. What do you mean I have to change? How dare you tell me I have to change? How dare you tell me I'm a sinner? How dare you tell me that I might go to hell? How dare you? I'm not telling you folks, it's God's word that's telling you. Don't argue with me. Argue with him. Some pastors don't mention hell or sin. Well, this pastor says if you don't repent of your sin, you're going to hell. When someone doesn't mention sin, when someone doesn't mention hell, when someone doesn't mention repentance, that's not the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not the gospel at all. It's the gospel. God's word always touches our heart. God's word comes forth, comes into our heart, and starts to do something in there. And yes, sometimes he comes and smacks us upside the head and tells us we got to change our act. Sometimes it comes into our heart. It's always encouraging. It's always loving. His love never fails. It never fails to touch your heart in so many ways. It never fails to give you what you need at that time to lift you up. Yeah, sure, you might have to do some changing. Sure, you might have to do this and do that. But it's a want to please God. It's a want to show him the love that he's shown you. Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. It's the love of Christ that keeps me focused and keeps me going. Long time ago, Greg Laurie said this about preaching the gospel. If someone isn't mad at you while you're preaching the gospel, you're not preaching the gospel. So John the Baptist is Jesus' witness. And Jesus calls witness number two, the testimony of his works. Look at verse 36. But I have greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Jesus told these religious leaders that the works he did were the works of the Father's. I can do nothing of myself. 
I can't do anything of myself. I'm only doing what the Father's doing. I'm only saying what the Father is saying. I can't do these things of myself. Even one of their own. Even one of their own in chapter 3, verse 2. The great Nicodemus. The great Nicodemus who came to Jesus that night said to Jesus himself, we know you're from God because no one can do the things that you do if they weren't sent from God. Nicodemus knew that. Of course, Nicodemus was being drawn to them. Jesus is saying that what John said about me is really good, but it's not good enough. What about the works that I accomplish? Basically, Jesus was saying, hey, guys, there's a guy who used to be lame for 38 years walking around here. Have you noticed him lately? How do you think that happened? He never made it to the pool of Bethesda. He waited there 38 years, but he's walking around now. What about him? Now, you have to realize that these Pharisees were students of the word. We're going to get to this in a minute. They were pretty good students of the word. They realized that other men in the Bible have healed people, even raised them from the dead, Elisha. Elijah, and many others have healed men and women in the Bible. So you can see they're reluctant to believe this person because he's done some miracles to believe that this was what made him the son of God. But he keeps saying he's not taking credit for it. He's saying his father in heaven. It's his father's work. God originated the work. God planned the work. God oversaw the work. God was the one that, that gave the works to be completed. Note that Jesus claimed to have completed the works perfectly. Jesus came to earth to complete a work. He came to earth to complete a work, and that work was not completed until he died on a Roman cross. That was the work that Jesus came to complete. It is finished. The work is done. It is finished, and Jesus did it on a cross. Jesus says, this should prove that the Father sent him, the works I do. You've never seen these kind of works before. These are unusual. They're so full of power and wisdom and love and care and glory and honor to God. But men saw him and they failed to believe him. They failed. Why? Why did they fail? Well, I think one of the reasons they failed was because these miraculous works that Jesus did were done out of compassion. They were done out of love. They were done out of mercy. These works bear witness of God's heart towards mankind. Oh, yeah, the Jews wanted a miraculous Messiah, all right. But they wanted a Messiah who would come in, kick down doors, kick butt, and take names. They wanted a Messiah who would throw Rome out of power. They wanted a Messiah who would come in, kill all the Romans, and set up his kingdom here. They wanted a kingly Messiah. They wanted one that was going to be great and wonderful. They weren't ready for a Messiah who would come in humble, who would come in with compassion and love. They weren't ready for that. They wanted someone who was going to deliver Israel. They didn't realize that Jesus would deliver the world. But he would deliver them from sin. He would deliver them by faith. Because Jesus' miraculous works didn't fit what they thought about a Messiah, they didn't receive his witness. Think about that. Think about that. Many of us are like that today. Many of us are like that today. When Jesus doesn't fit in the mold that we've made for him, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. You got people who don't believe in God that when something tragic happens to me, the first time they ask is, why did God allow this? If you don't believe in him, why are you blaming him? What's Jesus' goal for all mankind? Eternal life. 
Eternal life is his goal. He wants all to have eternal life. But he wants to do it his way. He doesn't want Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way. No, we do it Jesus' way. We do it his way, not our way. We always have a better plan. I don't know about you, but I do. I always have a better plan. Sometimes we believe that Jesus can do this and do that, but if I believe in Jesus, I can also do this and do that. What do you mean i got to change? Scripture says we are to be transformed into his likeness. We want to transform Jesus into our likeness. We want to make Jesus whom we want to make him to. We want to make him out to what we want. What we want. You know, back in Genesis, great scripture that says, and God created man in his image. And for many centuries now, man has been trying to return the favor and make God into man's image. We want to make God into our image instead of being conformed into the image of our God. Jesus has given two quality witnesses right now. John the Baptist, the works that he does, and now he hits them with one that should have sealed the deal. He hits them with one that should have sealed the deal. Let's look at 37 and 38. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because he whom he sent him, you do not believe. In every work Jesus accomplished and every work spoke and he spoke, the God, the Father spoke clearly about him. No place other than his baptism, when the Spirit came down upon him, when he came out of the water, and his booming voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. See, Jesus' validation came from God the Father. Jesus' validation came from God the Father. What more validation does one need? Where does your validation come from? When you do certain things, are you looking for a man to validate you? Are you looking for that pat on the back because you did something that was for God? And if nobody pats you in the back, do you go around telling people, I did that. I did that for God. If you're waiting for a pat on the back from someone other than God, good luck. You're going to be very disappointed. And if you get the pat on the back from man, it still won't be enough. It still won't be enough. The validation in your life needs to come from God. We are all striving. We are all looking and listening for those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. To have God say that about us would be the greatest gift, the greatest validation of my life ever. Told you about when Greg Laurie decided he was going to be a pastor and he went and pounded on the door at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And when Romaine answered, he said, I'm going to be a pastor. And Romaine said, great. He handed him a broom and said, start sweeping the parking lot. <laughs> Greg tells the story of being out in the parking lot sweeping, of grumbling under his breath, looking up at the windows. And when he saw a person at the window, he would sweep real hard. And then when the window cleared, he would go back to doing this. And finally, he tells the story of how God impressed upon my heart. Hey, Greg. Who are you doing that for? Who are you doing that for? If our works aren't for God, trust me on this, if our works aren't for God, done out of love, they're going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. They're going to be burned before us. If your works are done out of 
a motive, a self-motive, out of ego, out of wanting to be noticed. That's your reward. That's it. Congratulations, you received it. Best works done for God are the ones that nobody sees. The ones that nobody knows about. Those are the best work done for God. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. The one that nobody knows about. You know, there, there's talk about how there's going to be rewards given in heaven. And there's always a talk about the great big line in heaven of who's going to get the first reward and stuff like that. And if you ask the disciples, it's always them that are going to be first. One of them, they think. But I truly think in my heart that the person that's going to get the most gift, the person standing in front of the line, is going to be that little old lady on her hands and knees scrubbing the floor and doing nothing but praying for people. All she's doing all day long, scrubbing floors and praying. And God is her witness. And God is going to reward her mightily. Oh, that we would be like that woman that we wouldn't need man's approval. That we wouldn't need man's approval. My flesh loves it when I get approval. But God's telling me, I hope you enjoy that reward because that's all you're going to get. Jesus said, you've never heard his voice nor seen his form. Some may claim to have seen God, but they haven't. It's not because God hasn't spoken or shown what he's like. One has to know what to look for and what to listen for. God speaks to us in a still, small voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God. He's never spoken to me audibly. He's never been this booming cloud, David, go yonder. No, he doesn't speak to me like that. He speaks to me within my heart, and I feel like he's, he's speaking, and I start to move upon it, and I get revelation, and I start to get confirmation of what he's doing. God reveals himself to us through his word through the Old Testament and the New Testament. He reveals the truth about who Jesus is, and Jesus is coming. Remember what Jesus said to Philip. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Such power. Jesus said, you don't have his word dwelling in you. They had the Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't have the word of God dwelling in their hearts and in their lives. Did this say anything to you? Does this say anything about how intelligent you might be because of the biblical reading you do, the knowledge? It tells me that you can go to the Bible classes every single day. You can study the Word of God every single day, but you can miss it. You can miss it because it only stays here. It doesn't drop here. It doesn't drop to your heart. You missed it. You don't have the Word dwelling in you. Let His Word dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Let it just ooze over you and be washed by the water of the word. And let his heart become your heart. Let him show you as he speaks these words of love to you. This is a giant love letter. It's a giant love letter to all of us. You don't have your word in you. So he's given the religious leaders, John the Baptist, his works, and the Father as the witness of his claims. And now he continues with the final witness that we're going to look at today, the witness of the word himself. You search the scriptures, 39, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Man, it's like he took an iron pan and hit him in the head. Like, bang. 
what he said to them. You search the scriptures. You search the scriptures, but you don't have eternal life. You think you do, because these scriptures testify of me. He hit these guys hard, because these guys, these guys love the word of God. You have to give that to them. These guys loved the word of God. They were in it day and night. They were constantly going over the scriptures, looking at the scriptures, pouring the scriptures out, tearing them apart, interpreting. They were doing all these things. They were constantly trying to look at it, but they couldn't let it sink into their heart. They missed it. The Greek word that I keep mispronouncing, erunio, E-R-A-U-N-A-O, it implies a keen scrutiny like tracking down the messages of the scripture, like pouring over them in a constant study. The sad thing is, you can pour over scriptures, 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 and miss it. You can miss it, because you're not letting it fall into your heart. In all their searching, they never found a clue of who Jesus was, and this boggles my mind, because in the Old Testament alone, beginning in Genesis 3.15, there are no less than 300 prophecies of the Messiah. 300 prophecies of the Messiah. They missed it. They missed it. Peter says this, we didn't follow cunning devised fables when we declared the glory of God to you. We were eyewitnesses of his glory on that most holy mountain. But we have a more sure word of testimony. I saw it with my own eyes, but I'm not asking you to believe me because of my eyes. I'm asking you to believe what the word of God says, what God says about himself. And Peter was talking about Old Testament scriptures. Jesus Christ concealed in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ revealed in the New Testament. God's son. Jesus himself said, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O Lord. Jesus declared that the volume of the book, the Old Testament, was all about him. Can you find Jesus in the Old Testament? Can you look for him on page after page after page? Can you see him? We try to pull out where Jesus is, and we pull about things like that, and we look at it. Did you know that the entire tabernacle was based on Jesus Christ? Read through the book of Exodus. Oh, it's boring. Boring? How can it be boring? It talks about Jesus. There's so much in there. He's saying to them, you haven't really heard the voice of God because you keep looking at the scriptures, but you haven't heard God's voice because the scriptures testify of me. So many of us study, study. You guys, you guys, some of you guys are so much better students than I am when it comes to the Bible. You study greatly, but you haven't let it drop to your heart. You get hung up. You get hung up with the knowledge instead of feeling it in your heart and letting it drop into your heart and taking it for what it is. We need to see Jesus in every scripture there is. We need to look at him throughout his entire word. We need to look for him in every single page. Look at him. Look for him. He says, you diligently study the scripture thinking that you have found eternal life. Sure, the scriptures proclaim the message, lead you to eternal life. Sure, the scriptures proclaim the message and lead you to the one who gives eternal life. But the scriptures in and of themselves cannot give you eternal life. Only Jesus gives eternal life. Through the cross, Jesus gives eternal life. By reading the scripture, it doesn't matter how much you read. By knowing the scripture, it doesn't matter how much you know. By being religious, what you do, the things you do, doesn't make you saved, doesn't give you eternal life. By doing religious work, no matter how much or how good they are, doesn't give you eternal life. Eternal life is received only by believing in Jesus Christ. 
Only by confessing your sin, only by accepting his sacrifice on the cross that he died for you, only by believing that God raised him from the dead on the third day, then you will have eternal life. How do we know? Because that's what God's word says. It's all right here in God's word. It's all right here. Every part of it. All the feasts relate to Jesus Christ. Every single feast relates to Jesus Christ. Every one of them. I love what John Corson said about that word I tried to pronounce. E-R-A-N-O-U-O in Greek. He says it can be translated like searching and tracking a scent. He said that's the way we should study Scripture. Like a bloodhound, a lion. We should always follow the scent of blood. Sniff out the scarlet thread of the cross and look for Jesus. Look for Jesus in the word. Look for him. Jesus said, yo, guys, yo, religious leaders, yo, guys, stuck in that box, stuck. You read the scriptures, but you missed me. You missed me. Oh, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire that you wouldn't miss Jesus in the word. It's my heart's desire that you would glean from the word every time you read it, that Jesus would pop out of the pages at you and declare his worth, and you would see him, and you would fall head over heels in love with him more and more and more as you study him, and he shows himself stronger and stronger and stronger. There's comfort in his word. There's peace in his word. There's joy in his word. God's comfort and God's peace washes over you. You get that through his word as Christ ministered to you. Whatever you're going through, remember, there's a reason God is named Jehovah. There's a reason his name is Jehovah. Jehovah means the becoming one. What do you need God to be to you today? First and foremost, we all need salvation. We all want eternal life. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need provisions, et cetera, et cetera. God wants to be that to you today. Jehovah, I am. Not past tense, not I was, I am. He is the great I am. He exists today. He's here today. He's in our midst. Wherever two or three are gathered, I appear in their midst. He's here today. Hallelujah. Christ is with us. Christ is for us. He'll never be against us. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. His love never fails. Receive it. Receive it. Don't miss out on it, folks. Please, don't miss out on it. It's something so special that God wants to give you. It's something so special that only he can give. Only he can give. Receive it today from him. Maybe you're here today and you, maybe you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't leave this place without it. Don't leave this place. You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel. It's been clearly defined for you. You know the way to everlasting life. Receive everlasting life today. Be filled and receive it today. Don't leave without that today. Don't leave without that assurance in your heart that you are saved and you will have eternal life. Amen? You are assured. The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.